another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy, here trying to make the world a little more normal, but these days, that's just damn near impossible. And today, man, it's not going to happen today either, because we're talking about worlds of, well, worlds of semi-fiction, actually, so maybe it is possible, but let me let me introduce the guest today who's going to help me with this process, as always. And my guest today is Damon Manx, author and paranormal experiencer. How are you doing tonight, Damon? I'm very well. Thank you for having me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. But let me ask you this. What got you into the paranormal slash supernatural world? You know, I've always been interested in the unknown um, since I was a, the youngest. The, the, from my very first experience, probably seeing the first Halloween movie, I was enwrapped in, in with that whole mystic experience of Halloween. I remember reading uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes and watching the old Twilight Zone episodes. And, you know, that just captured me. Then as I got, you know, a little bit older, a couple strange things happened to me that really made me wonder, you know, do I know really what what's going on in this world? You know, I, clearly there are things I can't explain. And to this day, I still can't explain. And it it uh, inspired me so much that I wanted to become a, a horror author and write speculative fiction and about the unknown possibilities of what's out there lurking in the shadows. Oof. I like the way you put that, and that's why you're an author, not bot. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't even write that line. Of, oh, maybe I could, but it would take time. But uh, that, that's a that's a great way to put it. It really is. Which kind of leads into the second question I ask everybody: What experiences did you have personally that led you down this road? Well, if any, um, I've had a couple, and ne- neither one of them is a short answer. So at the risk of uh, taking up a lot of your time, I guess I, I'll start off with the first one. All right. So I was about 10 years old. Um, you know, and back in those days, you, you had to be home when the sun went down and the streetlights came on. So I'm riding my bike through the neighborhood and, you know, it, it was a wooded area. We, not a lot of houses were built back then, but there was one across the street in a very, um, secluded piece of property and there were three girls who lived there and they were all a little bit older than me um and being about 10 myself you know they were 13 and 14 and 15 and you know uh, of course i was very interested in what those girls were doing all the time um so i was riding the bike home and i get to right about in front of my house and i heard them they called me they said damon damon what are you doing and i stopped and they're running across the lawn in in these long flowing nightgowns and the sun is just about to set and the shadows are creeping in and you could hear the uh the crickets and the frogs and and all those woodland creatures making their noise before it's uh just about to get dark And they say, come over here. So I put the bike down by the side of the road. And I walked over to where they were. And they spread out a blanket. And then one of the girls, Fiona, pulls out a Ouija board. 
I had never seen one before, and I, I looked at it, and I'm like, what's an algebra board? You know, they said, that, that's a Ouija board. Um, it, it lets you communicate with the spirits. I did not believe that. So we all sat around in a circle, and they start playing with this thing. And I'm watching the planchette move across the board, and I'm certain that they're doing it. And then they asked me to put my fingers on it while Samantha, the oldest sister, puts her fingers on the other side. And they start asking these questions and the questions start getting darker and darker. And then finally they ask, when is Damon going to die? And I feel this thing move like, and I'm, her fingers are like coming off it. And this thing moves across the board and it goes to four zero now i'm much older than 40 right now but i lived the rest of my days forever in fear of that coming 40th birthday that it would be the day that i would die but on very close to my 40th birthday i was involved in a very serious accident and hmm. i was injured and i became addicted to painkillers from that accident and that led to a very serious downfall in my life for quite a few years so i i think a part of me did die when i was 40 and i think that was a paranormal premonition that i did not take heed to the warning i've gone on to write a book about that experience um, called piece by piece and although your listeners probably won't hear it, it's available for free today on Amazon in the ebook. So if you want to pick up a copy, you could go over there and get it. Um, it's it's free all over the world today, piece by piece by Damon Manx. Uh, it's it's a similar story about somebody who's told when they're going to die. Unfortunately, their story ends a little differently than mine. That was the first experience. I'll tell you about the second, but we might need a little breath in between. There's, there's that's yes. an even longer one. Well, let me say this. I mean, I am a huge believer in premonition because I have had premoni pre uh, premonition like dreams my whole life. They never be they never amounted to anything worthwhile. It was always just this conversation is going to happen this day in this room with these people, and then months down the road that will happen. But it's not, it's never anything life-changing or big decision-making like type thing. It's just stupid little conversations that make no difference in the world whatsoever. But so, I mean, I kind of tapped into that world, but I just, it never amounts to like me winning the lottery or me saving someone's life or something like that, you know? Right. <laughs> if, if only, yeah. Um, you know, so I'll, I, there, there's actually a little snippet of, of one that happened to me that touches base on that. And it was after I had been married and it was very early in the morning. We were still asleep and I was dreaming that the phone was ringing. And the only person that I could have figured it could have been was my mother. So I woke up out of the dream, called my mom and I said, what happened? And I woke her up. She's like, what are you talking about? Nothing happened. Um, so, uh, you know, she, we hung up, figured I just had a bad dream. 
about 15 minutes later, she calls me back and says, what is going on? She's like, your aunt just called. Your Uncle Joe just passed away. Um, that was crazy. That was really crazy. So, Sounds so, crazy. I mean. Yeah. And that type of stuff happens all the time, too. I mean, you are not the first person to tell me a story like that where it's something similar where they sense that someone else in the family was was about to befall something horrible and like they just sensed it like different ways whether it be a dream or whether they just had a feeling like i don't know but it's just crazy yeah. i mean it, it's yeah crazy. there's there's some other vibration going on in the world that i i don't think we as the human uh species really tap into it you know there, there's something that resonates and occasionally i think we we pick it up like a radio wave in uh, in little little increments, but I don't think we're always in tune to Go it. play now. <laughs> Katie, get her out of here. Sorry about that. <laughs> she likes to be annoying when I do podcasts once in a while. But but yeah, I mean it's just it's almost like there's something in the universe that wants us to know things and they want to tell us about it, but we just don't know how to communicate with them fully so they just show us the best they can yeah absolutely uh, i would i'm a hundred percent with that um and, and occasionally i think you know we get lucky you know uh, it's like a blind squirrel finding a nut every now and then you know we we manage to latch onto it and uh you know and then we lose it just as quickly exactly i mean i was driving to work a couple weeks a month maybe a month ago now and well, drive. I usually I work from home, so I didn't usually drive go to work at, like in the field. But I usually like once a week I was, and I'm driving the hour and a half drive to the store I had to go to. And if I was five minutes earlier, I would have been involved in a huge seven to ten car like ice collision. Wow! Like, literally, just seven or ten cars got all swerving the ice at the same time, and all kind of like created a domino reaction. And it's I could have been involved in it if I left my house five minutes earlier and if I didn't stop at Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I could have been involved in it because I would have been up at that point in the road by then. I mean, it took me, like, three hours. That It took me, yeah, it actually took me, like, three hours. It took me, like, three hours instead of, like, an hour and a half to get to work that day because I had to go through so many back roads trying to find a way because I wasn't familiar with the state, let, let alone the local area, but the state I was in. So I had to use GPS and try to find back roads and it kept trying to get me a circle around back to that road. And it's just, it was hell. I almost died so many times that day going through like farmy roads that are mud and ice and it just, it's not fun. So, wow. I mean, I, I almost feel like that day along with other days, cause I drove a lot for this job. I just actually lost today, but I drove a lot for this job. And a lot of times there was just weird coincidences where like I would stop, decide out of the blue to stop and do something first. And, then I would have avoided. I always end up avoiding like accidents or getting pulled over by a cop and getting a ticket or something like that. But that—that's some final destination stuff right there. Oh, don't even get me started on when you're behind a freaking truck with a tree in the back of it. Oh, no way! <laughs> I don't do it. I'll—I'll I'll, I'll pull over. Clearly, I've, people have never seen that movie. I know what happens. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I've. Yeah, I literally have almost got into accidents trying to get around those trucks just because I want to get out, out from behind that truck. But, uh, but yeah. Well, so if you got a uh, a couple minutes, I'd like to tell you another story that happened to me that 
Oh, I, we definitely got the time. But yeah. let me ask you this first. Yeah. Those three girls that you did this with, did you ever find out like if like their family was more into that like type of stuff, like witchcraft or any of that type of stuff? You know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that because about hmm, about six months ago, their mom passed away. So they were going they were having an estate sale over there. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't seen them in years because I had moved to Florida. I'd come back. Uh, I lived lived in other areas. Now I'm back again. I own the house where I grew up. So I'm right across the street from that house once again. So I went over to the estate sale and Samantha, Naomi and Fiona were all there and we got to talking and I'm like, I'm like, do you remember that night with the Ouija board? And they're like, oh my God, we were so terrible. And I, so, you know, they didn't say they were messing with me, but I'm pretty sure they were just messing with me. Uh, but I said, uh, do you guys still have that Ouija board? They're like, hold on a second. They went into the basement. They came back and they gave it to me. So I own the Ouija board that actually tormented me for decades. So uh, they weren't I mean, necessarily into a cult or anything like that. But, yeah. but I've got it. That's, that's kind of a win, though. That's kind of like a I beat fate type thing and I can display it. <laughs> I'm saying I think I would agree with you 100%. <laughs> I don't open it up and play with it. Oh, I wouldn't dare. I've got, <laughs> but... I've got it sitting on the bookshelf. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's that's basically what I would do. I would display it, but I never would touch it because it's just like it's one of those things you don't want to mess with. I mean, it's like go it's like going to Key West and taking Robert the doll out of his case and wanting to play with him. Like you just don't do it. No. Why why would I risk such a thing? Of no. course. Yeah, so you know, when, uh, well, let me, you know, when I was younger, at teenage going to 20 years, we used to like to do, they call it urbex now, you know, but there wasn't a name for it back then. We used to go to all these abandoned amusement parks, abandoned hospitals, and search through them and, and drink beer and, you know, yeah, of course. do all kinds of stuff that boys do at the time. Um, so let me give you a little bit of history. Uh, in 1829 or 1826, construction began on the Essex County Asylum for the Insane. Um, this spot would be the location of the most terrifying thing that would ever happen to me. Um, it was called the Overbrook Hospital, and uh, the local residents just called it the bin. It sat on like 365 acres of land. In Verona, New Jersey, there were tunnels that went underneath the place that connected the different buildings, and then they connected them to uh, cottages on the further reaches. The place was so massive, it had its own post office and fire department. And like from the very start of this thing, it was like a place of suffering. In the Great Depression, like homeless men and women filled the place to capacity, and the staff did not have enough food to feed everybody. Uh, so many of them died. Then later, after World War II, uh, shell-shocked soldiers returning from the war filled it to capacity, over 3,000 of them, and the staff was just like ill-prepared to uh, yeah. handle it. Then again, 
in 1917 during a record cold snap, a series of boilers broke down and uh, there was like reports of starvation, frostbite, and countless deaths. During its lifetime, over 10,000 people died under the care of the staff of the Overbrook Hospital. By the time I found it in the 80s, the place was abandoned. Sometime between the 60s and 70s, they started closing down building after building. And the place was a wreck. You know, there was graffiti everywhere, broken glass, the gutters, the pipes, the wires had been ripped out. Of course. And, you know, despite all the stories, like we'd heard stories of hauntings in the place. We've heard stories that gangs were up there and they chased you around and they would beat the crap out of you. You know, we heard that a homeless people were up there and they tormented you while you were up there. You know, but none of that was enough to keep us out. In fact, it probably made us want to go up there even more. So, you know, being about 18 to 20 years old, me and three other friends went up there. And it was late afternoon before sundown because we didn't want to be there in the dark. We did have flashlights, but uh, we're drinking beer and we were probably smoking something too. In fact, I know we were about to, and we're walking through the place and the place was filled with, you know, gurneys were left there, wheelchairs were left there, files were still in the doctor's office and the paints peeling off the walls. And if anybody wants to look it up, you know, just go to the Overbrook Asylum and that was in Essex County, New Jersey. There's hundreds of pictures of this place and you'll, you'll feel like you're in a Freddy Krueger movie. So we get up to the second floor and it, it's getting dark, you know, um, and we're drinking beers, uh, bottled beer. So we're all going to walk into this one room. We look into the room and there's like an access into an attic and uh, it's a pretty big room. So we figure we're going to go in there. And we're we're going to get high in there. So all my friends walk into that room and I take my bottle of beer and I pull it back and finish it. And then I toss it down the hall and I hear it clang and roll, but it never breaks. But I tossed it, you know, 20 or so feet down the hall. So we go in there and we start smoking. And all of a sudden, it's like really dark, like within seconds, it's really dark and it's feeling really cold. And we feel like we've got to get out of there. Like an urgent need to get out of this place. So we turn on our flashlights. Um, we are now pretty, pretty uh, inebriated to say the least. And I'm the first one to exit the door and I shine my flashlight down on the hallway and standing right next to the door is my beer bottle turned upside down on its little rim with a puddle of beer around it, balancing on the top of the beer. And four grown men uh, ran out of that place fast. Because, sure. you know, the, uh, there's only two possibilities of what occurred. Supernatural, paranormal experience because we didn't hear anything. No one was walking around outside that door while we were in there. 
or a person being really sneaky, really wanting to mess with us. I don't know which is a scarier scenario, but uh, I mean, I I tend to think that if it was a person wanting to mess with you, they would have came and tried to take any of the beer or smoke you had. I would imagine. Yeah, I don't think it was a person. It doesn't seem like that. It definitely. <coughs> Sorry, still getting over being sick, but um, it seems like. Spirits like to do things like that, put things on end and make make just make things very weird for to mess with people. Like they want to make it seem they want to be noticed. At least some of them do, and that's why they do these type of things. It just the way it goes. And that seems like something a spirit, a mischievous spirit would do. Well, I can tell you this. Um if if any place on this planet deserves to be haunted. It certainly was the Overbrook Hospital. Um, so, yeah. much, so much pain happened there and suffering. And there's even if you go to the um, the pictures on the internet, there's there's writings from patients that were in there, like letters they were sending out. And some of these things are, are you can read them. They're they're frightfully disturbing. Um, yeah, I, I'm certain you know that it's been torn down since then and i believe there's condos up there now but uh that was the last time i went to the overbrook and i certainly would never never have considered going back there after that i mean well two things really um i mean a lot of mental hospitals from the 19 early 1900s till the 60s 70s were in that state and it was a horrible thing and they actually do a lot of them tend to be the most haunted places in america is all mental hospitals, and I've heard of the Overbrook before. You're sure it got turned down? Because I feel like I've heard of teams going there to investigate. I, you know, they they filmed part of the movie Choke there, um, the Chuck Palahniuk book. Uh, Edward Norton was in it. Most, oh, I, yeah. Most of um, there might be a couple of the buildings, but yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pictures of them actually tearing down the Overbrook. Uh, okay, I guess in 2017 they did. Yeah. 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 Okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess I maybe maybe I saw videos people posted of exploring it before then, but I guess yeah. possible. But yeah, man, it, it, there's a lot of videos up there too, and it you know there's a lot of stories of people who you know have experiences like that. Yeah, it's a. It's a yeah. Sound. I mean, I I've been in mental hospitals. Not some place I ever would want to. It's not my bucket list to explore. I'd rather go in the woods and look for Bigfoot than go to a look for spirits in a place like that. But yeah, you know, um, I, I'm gonna blame that on uh, bravado and and being young and you know being foolish. Definitely. Oh, I mean, when I was a teenager, before I got into before when I was kind of like in my out of the paranormal phase, before I got back into it again, like. I probably would have done it then if I if there was beer involved. Like, why not? Because sure, at that not? at that age, at that age, it's just whatever. <laughs> let's go. If there's beer involved, I'll do anything almost. So let's go. But, yeah, it was the cool thing to do. So you know, um, actually, so the story of the Overbrook, a lot of what I just recited, and my experience is actually a short story now in one of uh, in my upcoming book that's coming out in on April twenty seventh. Short story titled "The Overbrook." Um, 
Well, so um, this book's called Manxiety, uh, which is it's a lot of stories based on supernatural things that have happened to me throughout my life. And then there's stories like the Overbrook, which are memoirs of some crazy stuff that happened word for word. So from, actually, it's, it's funny because I tend to have a lot of guests that are from New Jersey with paranormal experience or with or I mean, I don't know if you heard of Eleanor, Eleanor Wagner. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sussex I, County Hauntings. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, she's. I've had her on my show twice, and I'm, I've been on her show. And we got we're, we're we're friends at this point, basically. And oh wow, that's so cool. And uh, also, we um, East Coast Haunting, East Coast Haunted. I think I forget what the hell they're called. They're going to kill me. But uh, there's another group of East Coast Haunters based in New Jersey that I've had a couple of them on here as well. Like they're, it's all everybody in New Jersey I talk to is always a good person. I mean, Mike Familant of. Uh, in search of big red eye he's mm -hmm. a big he searches for big red eye the big the new jersey bigfoot yeah so yeah well, we've got that magazine weird new jersey i don't know if you've uh heard oh of i've heard of weird new jersey yeah yeah <laughs> so you know like when that first started coming out you know my friends and i were like oh yeah let's go there let's go here let's go there so yeah we we hunted them down and got in there and got in the thick of it and Sometimes for better and sometimes for worse, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, if you're gonna if you're gonna go searching legend tripping paranormal places, it's gonna either nothing's gonna happen and it's all just elaborated or a hoax, or or you're gonna run into something you probably don't want to run into and it hopefully it doesn't follow you home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Which I've heard of that happening as well. So did you guys did you guys ever um, actually go Bigfooting? Because, I mean, Bigfoot's been a big thing in New Jersey for as long as I can remember. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in the woods up here um, that are weird, but I've never gone out there looking for something in the woods. Like, that's, uh, I don't know. I got asking for trouble. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. So, so there's a, um, there, there's an abandoned, it, it was a place called Jungle Habitat, and it was owned by Warner Brothers in the 70s, and it was like a, a drive-through safari. Oh. And... Uh, by Six Flags? He, uh, it was, no, it, it's in West Milford, New Jersey. Oh, okay. So we went there also, but I went there as a kid. Like, my parents drove us through the safari, and they had tents and little rides there, and then this enclosure where the bears were. Um, uh, uh, me and one of my friends who actually went to the Overbrook went to Jungle Habitat in maybe like 99 or, or somewhere right around there. And the place was, you know, abandoned. Now, the reason why the place closed down is the the company pulled out of there like overnight, like they went bankrupt overnight and they left all the animals in there to die without being fed in their cages and in their enclosures That's there were horrible there were p pictures in the the paper i remember of the animals you know dead in their cages so we went up there and the first thing i noticed is like there is not even a bird in the trees up there 
it was so quiet and still. It was like nature knew something horrible had happened there. So we're walking through it, and like the where the monkeys had been, there was bamboo that had now grown wild, and it was 30 to 40 feet tall. Huge bamboo. And the shower, the uh, bear enclosure, uh, which was the giant pool, um, a flood had come through and, and washed it away. Now, just uh, a year or two ago, a bunch of guys went up there again, looking around, and they were attacked by a bear. And one of the guys got killed. Uh, and that's probably a lot of the reason why I am so afraid to go traipsing around for bigfoot in the woods well i mean yeah i i honestly would be more scared of a bear attacking me in the woods when i'm looking for bigfoot than actual bigfoot but because i mean bigfoots don't usually attack i say usually because they it's been known to happen but it's a rare occurrence compared to usual right when people are people are out there sasquatching yeah the bears are serious yeah and i mean plus it's New Jersey. That's not even the creepiest thing in the woods. The creepiest thing in the woods is the Jersey Devil. Yeah, absolutely. That's a little. I think that's more South Jersey than uh, North. I'm in the northern part. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm from New York, so I know Jersey somewhat. I've been there for concerts and stuff. But besides that, it's always just been driving through Jersey to get south. Right. But I mean, yeah, the Jersey Devil is usually in the, is in the Pine Barrens, which is the south, if I believe. But, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. North Jersey is a lot more urban, if I'm not mistaken, right? A lot, yeah, yeah. Well, you do have you do have some very uh, very wooded areas. Um, if you get very north and very west, you get closer to Pennsylvania and closer to New York, and then you've got yeah. really thick woods. Oh yeah, I mean, oh god, the woods of Pennsylvania are filled with so many things. I'm sure there's runover between the two states of what's in those woods. I mean, I've had. Uh, a Pennsylvania investigator on here who has had reports of dragons, dogmen, and everything else coming out of those mines in Pennsylvania. So I'm sure they cross I'm sure they cross the border in New Jersey too. I'm so, sure. And I mean, New Jersey is a for a small state, it has so much going on. Like that's the most amazing part because it's such a small state. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it really is packed, packed full of just about anything, any trouble you want to get into. Or anything you want to want to do, you can can find it in about an hour car ride, if, if that. I mean, plus it's the plus it gave us Kevin Smith though, so you can't say it's all bad. But <laughs> you know that's crazy that you say that because uh, I am going this Saturday. I'm uh, going to a horror uh, show in South Jersey in Sayreville, and while Kevin Smith is not going to be there, Brian O'Halloran is going to be there. Dante mm-hmm. is going to be there, yeah. uh, and we're going to be there selling books. And there's going to be bands playing, and uh, we're uh, down in Sayreville on Saturday. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm going to get my picture taken with Dante for sure. Oh, yeah. See, I saw Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes when they did the Clerks. Uh, no, I mean, when they did the Jason Bob reboot um, tour, I saw them live in Boston, and but. There, I didn't buy the tickets to get like the private meet and greet and stuff because it was so ridiculously high. Like I just couldn't afford it at the time. But it's just I did I did get to see them live though. That's to me that's good enough. I mean I'd love to meet Kevin Smith someday and get him on one of my podcasts and talk to him and whatnot. But that's a pipe dream. 
Oh, you never know. Might run, might run into him someday. It's possible. I mean, the day I start getting invited to podcast conventions, then maybe, but (laughs) or combo conventions, whatever. Either way, absolutely. Small steps. That's all. Exactly. But let me ask you this: Have you ever? Because I mean, I know Jersey's big for this too. Have you ever had any experiences seeing UFOs of any types? I've seen things I don't know what they were. Um, yeah. But nothing where I'm like, oh, oh, that's definitely a UFO. I remember seeing something during the daytime. And it was, uh, it was three separate objects. Very, very high. And... This was before drones were out, you know, at least this was before drones were available commercially. And there were three dots in the sky and they were hovering stationary in place in a triangle formation, you know, maybe a half a mile apart either way around. And they kept moving, uh, like, like rotating the triangle. I have no idea what that was. People are like, oh, yeah, those those are weather balloons. Those are this. I'm like, those aren't balloons. Then, No way. Those are balloons. They're stationary. They're staying in one spot, and then they rotate in a perfect triangle. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that was. So it was unidentified, and they were flying objects. So technically a UFO. I mean, yeah, by all absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, when the government admits they're real now, then that pretty much says that anything in the air that we can't explain is, is, is a UFO by definition. So at least that's my my how my mind works. But but yeah, let me I agree. Let me ask the US though, since you're well, actually, okay, I want to make sure we have time for this. So you we talked about two of your books already. Is there any more we didn't talk about or well I have quite a few books out. Uh one, two, three. I've got five out. Well, I see. I own a publishing company, so I yes, yes. So I, I own a publishing company. I publish horror. It's called Last Waltz Publishing, and I started it when I right after I got my first publishing contract on my first book. Uh, I left that company and said, "Well, I I could do this myself." <laughs> How difficult can it be? <laughs> Famous last word. Um, so I went on to publish uh, my second book and then my third and then i took on a couple other authors so now you know we're we're last waltz publishing has five authors and myself and we're putting out more books each year but yeah i i have quite a few and i have quite a few more coming out um throughout the year but uh yeah go ahead well just Generally speaking, I don't want you to give too much away because you want people to buy the book, obviously, and read it. But uh, besides the two you talked about, what are the other three about, like, generally speaking? like Yeah, so my first book uh, was called Abigail, is called Abigail. Abigail is about a man who, you know, he, he's he's OCD. He's, uh, he's a little different than the normal guy, and, and he's been kind of mistreated his whole life so that's affected the way he uh looks at life Uh, one day he arrives home and there's a basket on his 
front steps and he opens up the basket and there's a baby in it and the baby has violet eyes scales on her face and horns and he actually looks at the baby and he thinks it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen not realizing that it's probably a power that the baby has that's making him feel so withdrawn to it so he takes it upon himself to raise this child and everyone that abigail comes in contact with doesn't see her difference all they see is the most beautiful child they've ever seen and that escalates into uh, a far stranger scenario and, and you know you'd have to get the book if you really want to know what happens. oh yeah i mean yeah. so sounds very uh almost up the almost up the alley of the omen or something like, something along those lines i i would say this is not like any horror story you've ever read and after reading it's only 50 pages long so it's a very short little novelette hmm. and uh and it surprised most people. And actually, Abigail just hit 100 reviews, if I could only speak, 100 reviews on Amazon this past week. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I have other books, too. I, I have a book called Hacked in Two, where it's written by James Carlson and myself. He has a story in there that takes place in Pennsylvania that has to do with the Pennsylvania woods and a certain parasitic element that lives in the uh, Pennsylvania woods. My story in that book is called Deacon, which starts off in a post-apocalyptic zombie scenario where a man dressed as a priest or a deacon is going around vigilante taking care of the raiders and the, uh, the, the bad guys, you know, the guys who right. are out there stealing from everybody. So Deacon actually uh, is the savior of this post-apocalyptic world. And then that story actually jumps into the author who's writing the story. So it's a crossover. It's one of those stories with two stories in one. Oh, and the like one of the uh, characters is named Damon Manx. And Damon's writing a book that he's really not comfortable writing. And he starts uh, starts digging up his own demons and having a very, very trippy experience as he's writing the book. One of my one of my favorite books that I, I wrote. Hello, Jim. Thank you for watching. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Yeah. Well, I mean that. that okay. Well, both those books sound incredibly fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I'm a I'm a, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the, I'm not the biggest horror book fan, but I am a avid Stephen King reader and I do like my horror books and especially when they're done right. And these ones seem like they are done perfectly from what I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a constant reader myself. I am an avid King uh, fan. Mostly I tend to lean towards calling myself a dark tower uh, junkie. Uh, the Stand and eleven twenty two sixty three. You know these are the books that that really got me. My my most recent book that just came out 
came out in January that I wrote with Mark Taus. He's a writer from Australia. And we have a story called Arcranium. Uh, Arcranium takes place in the year 2032. Four horror authors are sitting around. They get together every month and have a couple drinks and talk about who's the best, who's doing better in sales, whose genre is scarier, and they can never decide on who's scarier or who's the best. And this friendship is very tried, and there's ribbing involved, and they make fun of each other, and it's a very love-hate relationship. And they're like, well, I guess we'll never find out who's going to, who actually is the scariest, because we'll all vote for ourselves. And then one of the authors said, well, there, there is a way. There's a new technology called Arcranium. It's artificial intelligence that plugs into the author's mind and it inhibits them. It allows them to come up with their greatest creation, their most scariest creation that they don't even know exists within them with the aid of this virtual reality. Not only that, it allows the other members of the group to come along and play the characters of the story. So they all go into our cranium and the stories come out one by one. There's four different genres of authors. You've got the old school sci-fi guy. You've got the extreme guy. There's an Asian horror writer. And then there's the gothic vampire lady. And as the gloves come off and they stop using the safe word, uh, things get a bit messy. And uh, that just came out. And the reviews have been really great for Our Cranium, written by Damon Manx and Mark Taus. It's really a, really a fun one. You can and get all these, yeah, you can get all these books on Amazon. Um, search Damon Manx, D-A-E-M-O-N-M-A-N-X. Or you could get them all at lastwaltzpublishing.com my own website you can go check that out www.lastwaltzpublishing.com that's if you want a signed copy they're also all available for kindle unlimited so if you own the kindle unlimited go on to amazon and get them for free i swear to god i love kindle unlimited it's one of the best things ever Heck yeah <laughs> so many stephen king books i got to read for free but it's awesome but of course all the all the amazing classic ones like the stand you don't get those for free you gotta pay for those <laughs> it's short stories though and stuff like that yeah you get them for free but i mean uh, all the had shut up what good amount of money you get all his classics i mean i started back in well i I, st- I got into stephen king when i saw it chapter one back in 2017 i think it was 2016 remember the first one came out and i started reading all his books started with carrie and I got, I am still on the second Dark Tower series book. And I just, I moved in with my now wife and kids, and I haven't had time to read at all since then with podcasting and whatnot. But yeah, it gets so good too, um, you know, with uh, Drawing of the Three and then The Wastelands. Yeah. It just, the more, the, the books get better as you go with that. Yeah. Dark Tower. Yeah. I know. I, uh... One of my favorite bands that I brought on my music podcast, uh, Demons and Wizards, they did a on on their first on their second CD, they did three tracks in a row dedicated to Dark Tower. Oh and, wow. Uh the Gunslinger, 
All Hail the Crimson King and uh, Train of Terror or Terror Train, I forget what it's called, but but they're all all three of them are in a row and they're all about the Dark Tower series. They they take from a lot of fantasy literature and stuff. It's cool. I love their it's heavy metal with literature in the background of it and lyrics. I love it. But oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I I have a podcast friend who is a huge Stephen King fan, just like like me, and he he loves Dark Tower series. So when he came to my music show, that's the album I brought forth because I want him to hear it. Because I'm like, oh, if you love Dark Tower, you're gonna love these songs. <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. That that sounds really cool. Yeah, I mean they're they're a good band. But so let me ask you this: in your future books, are you gonna possibly be touching on paranormal elements in any way, or? You know, uh, there are a lot of the short stories that I've written that have um, appeared in, in uh, that are actually coming out in Manxiety have a lot of paranormal elements to it. Uh, of course, the, the ghost situation thing, um, qu- quite a few. There's there's one called The Devil's Well in there. I want to be well, remember. Right, well, stop interrupting me. Jeremy, let her play before you lose wood internet. Go, Bella. Go. You can't keep me doing my shows. Go. What? Go. You can't keep interrupting. Go. How cute. Yeah, she's adorable, but she knows. Hi, Bella. Can we five? Uh, yeah i touch on a lot of the paranormal um quite a bit and actually right now i'm finishing up a a four book series that has uh supernatural paranormal elements to it quite a bit Hmm. i love i love me a good series i mean there's something there's something different when you then when you're reading like a standalone book than when you're reading a series and you like you know there's more coming like it's just oof that feeling yeah, I have all four books, um, second or third draft, probably even fourth drafted, and I'm just working on the final edits of them. And sometime in 2024, the series will come out. Interesting. Definitely going definitely gonna to have to have you back on when they're coming out so you can talk about them a little bit. Yeah, but, I would love to. But um, let me ask you this, though. Living in New Jersey, do you believe in uh, – Whatever you, whether you want to call them lake monsters, ocean sea serpents, sea monsters, whatever you want to call them, do you believe in them living in New Jersey? You know, I, I'm a scuba diver. Well, and I haven't dove in, in years, um, but I, I believe there's things everywhere that we don't know about. You know, the, the ocean is the most unexplored part of this world. It goes much deeper than we'll ever be able to see. Mm. And there's things down there that, that we're finding out about all the time. So, yeah, I mean, they're, to us, they are monsters, you know. But to them, they are. To them, they're just creatures that were probably have been here since the dinosaurs or longer, and they just always have been there. I found in Florida on the uh, beach, in Venice Beach, a shark's tooth that's as big as the palm of my hand. Um, solid black. It's from a megalodon. And I figure if one tooth was the size of my hand, the mouth had to be 
close to the size of my house, probably. Yeah. You know, which would make this shark the size of a football field, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know proportions, but it, a lot bigger than anything I've ever seen in the ocean. Oh, and there is a lot of theory out there in the paranormal world that Megalodon still exists. I mean, that movie, The Meg, that movie, The Meg, kind of helped with that. But I mean, there's, like you said, though, it's deeper than we'll ever know. And I truly believe there is a level down there where these creatures can still exist and feed. And that's why, I mean, that, that could explain some whale carcasses washing up at beaches here and there, because where sharks that big couldn't eat? Whales. And other megalodons, maybe. But mainly whales or maybe colossal squids as well, which we now know exist. So we know they have prey that's alive. So why couldn't they still be alive deep down where no one sees them? Yeah. You know, those uh, the first sailors out there on the wooden ships coming back with stories of sea monsters, you know, they... They saw something, you know, whether yeah. it was was whales um, breaching the surface, but, you know, they knew about whales back then. Yeah, I mean, they used the oil for everything. Yeah. So they were seeing something. Um, and like you said, you know, that Mariana's Trench is, is huge. Um, oh, God. It's yeah. so far deep. There's, there's things we don't know about. I would be more interested in us fully exploring the ocean rather than going into outer space myself. I, I kind of have an equal interest in both because I mean, one, I want to see, see what's, I want to see what's on, I want to see what's on the damn moon. That's my thing. Cause I am a huge believer that the moon landing did happen, but the moon is a hollow space station that was put there millennia ago by an alien species. It is not an actual asteroid or piece of earth that broke off i think that's just baloney i think it's actually a hollow space station because when we shot a missile at it it rang for 11 minutes so mm. i mean i am and so, something tells me that the guys neil armstrong and buzz aldrin the guys who went to the moon originally when they came back at that press conference the next day they looked scared out of their minds of something and it's either the government or it's whatever was on the moon or both. Yeah, so. there's a lot of reports of things that were seen on the moon by different uh, different um, astronauts. So, yeah, you know, I think I think within the next few years, we're going to get to the truth about what's really going on out there. Out there. Yes, I am definitely looking forward to that. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate that. And according to Wild Bill, they saw the base on the dark side of the moon, which, I mean, that's where they would put it because then no one could see it from Earth, at least. But I I don't know. There's just there's something up there, and who knows where they're from. I mean, I someone said to me that they think, another paranormal podcaster recently said to me in a roundtable we were doing that they think, that the government told us about UFOs during COVID to see how we'd react, but without getting too big a reaction because COVID was distracting us from the from that news story, which they were 100% right. It distracted a lot of people from it because a lot of people didn't hear it broke until months after it broke, even. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that's a good strategy, you know, if you're going to break news like that because uh, still to this day, you know, people aren't, oh, my God, the government told us that there's UFOs. 
that this really exists. You know, it's really not. It's not the internet buzz thing that you would think it would be. Um, no, it's. I mean, they the Tic Tac videos that they that, that the Navy released saying like, "Yep, here's proof of it." And I mean, it's just it's insane that they finally admit it exists. And but what's coming that they want to warn us about? And they're trying to get us used to it first. Like that's my that's my fear is what's coming that they know about that they want to try to get people ready for. I mean, is it in, are we getting invaded? Are we just going to be having more visitors soon than we've already had for the last millennia? Because you know, ancient aliens are a thing supposedly. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if they've leaked information out in small doses. I would think that they they would continue to do so. Oh God, yeah. Until they build up to the point where they actually say, "Okay, well, here's the truth," you know. So it doesn't look like they've been lying this whole time for sixty years, you know, or who knows how long. Exactly. I mean, oh, exactly. Uh, while Bill says the moon is a satellite, it's not organic. Yep, that's basically what I was just saying, and. They admit it because they, it can't be hidden any longer, which I agree. It, it really can't be. I mean, more and more people will tell you they've seen UFOs. More and more people will, will start to come out and say, I've been abducted by aliens in my life at some point. I mean, you know, I, I read a book um, that that has to do with people who missing certain days of their life. And it occurs in national parks all over the United States. Yes. And, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, right? where these people have been like at one point you know at this location and all of a sudden days later they wake up a hundred miles away in some remote part of the uh park and it all happens in these national parks and you know a lot of it alludes to uh, abductions of something taking place yeah, I mean that's the whole missing four one one thing they have going on, where all these people are disappearing up and down the east coast, the west coast, in the national parks, but also just in the wilderness. Like it's hunters, it's trappers, it's people who spend a lot of time as outdoorsmen or outdoors women, and they're out there doing whatever they're going to do, and then all of a sudden they go missing, and a lot of them still haven't shown up. It's been a decade or years, and I mean those ones I tend to allude more towards. What's in those caves that we don't know about? Like, are they just getting attacked by dogmen and eaten, or are, is it a Bigfoot thing? Is it interdimensional, where they're they're going through a weak spot and they go through a different to a different dimension? Like, I can't explain it. No one can. Mm. It's a big mystery. Yeah, the book I read, um, actually, it's all the people who did go missing came back like a few days later with no recollection of where they had been or what had happened during that missing time. And they were all like hundreds of miles away from where they had gone missing. So like no explanation for what had happened. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, I just heard a story about that too. I think it was on the same round table I just mentioned, but about a man who went missing and then he showed up, he showed up a year and a half later, I think she said like 400, 500 miles away from where he was originally. Like a different part of the United States, he showed up in completely, and he had no recollection that he'd been gone at all. He just kind of came to and was like, "Where am I? Like, I don't even know where I am." And there was only one set of footprints when they found where he was originally, 
like when they went looking for him, there was only one set of footprints walking because he was at a beach somewhere and he was walking. He went to, he was down by the water and he started walking away from the water, but the footprints were going the opposite direction of where he needed to go to go home. And he has no recollection of why that happened even. Right. Which in my mind is either that's supernatural or this guy has a secret family somewhere and he just was covering his own ass. But yeah. Well, yeah, there's a possibility too. So. <clears throat> I mean, it's happened before, but and yeah, I never heard of AB negative blood being the alien gene per se, but but I mean, it's there are star seeds out there in the world nowadays that claim they are they have the spirits of aliens inside them or extraterrestrials inside them, and it gives them abilities like psychic or medium powers to a degree. So. I've had enough of them in my show to know they exist and I've seen what they can do. It's impressive. And yeah, they couldn't even drop them off before they picked them up. Damn lazy aliens. <laughs> but all right, well, yeah. Since we're we are getting close to the end here, why don't you tell the audience one more time where they can find your books and where they can find everything about your publishing company? Yeah, absolutely. So naturally, you can any of the books that uh, I publish with my publishing company, you can get at Amazon. Uh, you can take a look at just punch in Damon Manx when you get to Amazon. D-A-E-M-O-N-M-A-N-X. I have a publishing website that you could purchase any signed copies of the books. That's www.lastwaltzpublishing.com. Uh, if you head over to that website, join the mailing list uh mailing list we always send out uh discounts and free books to all our subscribers uh, we have a list of other authors who also are assigned to the publishing company so there's uh not only just myself but five other authors as well you could get books from them and you could also go to my own personal website which is damonmanks.com that's www.damonmanks.com I'm on all the socials. You can look me up on Facebook. You can check me out on Instagram, Twitter. Damon Manx is the uh, the profile name on all of them. I'm also on TikTok and uh, just recently had like a, a video go semi-viral, I guess. You know, I, I'm close to 700,000 views on it um, and uh, subsequent parts of that have all gone up to about a hundred thousand views so you know we could use any any more followers who want to go over to that crazy platform and and join me there i'm also telling the story of the overbrook on there and uh ha having fun with uh a bunch bunch of the stories that uh, have been my crazy life well sounds amazing and and that's my dream right there to hit a real to have one of my reels hit that big. I've I've gotten up to like four thousand on one reel, but that's about as far as I've gotten so far. I'm trying to find that next big every every special show I do, I try to get reels out there. And now that I'm unemployed officially, I might start working out a little more and because I'm already a professional I'm already a professional on Facebook. So excellent. Uh, let me try I'm gonna have to try to get out there a little more and promote my stuff a little bit more. But absolutely. That's how you do it. Practice makes perfect, right? Exactly. And we will I will definitely post links as well to all your to your company and to all your Amazon stuff on the description of the show when it comes out. So everybody can just copy and paste. 
Excellent. Hey, th thanks for having me tonight. I had a great time. My pleasure. And all my listeners, you know, you could find me on Facebook as Paranormal The New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings Podcast with a S Facebook group. I need to think of a better name for that. It's too long. But you can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can find me on TikTok as at Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And you can find me on YouTube just by searching Paranormal The New Normal, where this is currently streaming as well. So you can find me there as well. And thank you, Charles. I'm glad you appreciated the show. And I will wish all my listeners a good night. And I will thank Damon one more time for coming on. And hopefully he'll be back in a year or so when his series starts coming out. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I will see, see my listeners in half a week. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>